0: You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh.
1: Hello and welcome on this very special eve before 12/21/12. 12, 12. It is a powerful moment in time. Where so much is available to us and you may already feel the energy and the current of what is growth and change and positivity and what is the opportunity now, the infinite possibility now for all of us to unite in so many different ways of sharing and caring, bringing together a space of oneness that we all are. It is particularly exciting to have the conversation that we're going to be having tonight because it is also about uniting in oneness the discordant thoughts in our mind, what keeps us divided so that we don't allow ourselves what is our full bounty as divine human beings, as spiritual beings that really have come here for such an amazing experience and recollecting and remembering that truth that we all are from that divinity and very deserved of every bounty that is for us. Some words from this special book that we're going to talk about tonight entitled The Law of Divine Compensation on Work, Money, and Miracles is the latest release by Marianne Williamson, who is also the author of A Return to Love, and I'd like to begin by just reading a few words that are at the very end of this book. God has given you your identity, and that cannot be taken away. God has imbued you with the infinite potential, and that cannot be taken away. God has provided you with the opportunity to change your thinking in any instant and that cannot be taken away. God has given you the capacity to love and that cannot be taken away. God has entrusted you with the power to live in the light of His abundance in any moment and that cannot be taken away. If you are not living in this way, what is it that you are keeping from yourself and how are you not allowing the miracles that can become present from the Law of Divine Compensation to be enacted within your life. Marianne Williamson is an internationally acclaimed spiritual author and lecturer. Six of her ten published books have been New York Times bestsellers. Four of these have been number one New York Times bestsellers. A Return to Love is considered a must-read of the new spirituality, and other books include The Age of Miracles, A Woman's Worth, Illuminata, The Gift of Change, A Course in Weight Loss, and now her newest book, The Law of Divine Compensation on Work, Money, and Miracles, was released this past November. I'd like to welcome Marianne Williamson back to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to have you because I'm moved every single time I read any of your books. And the one thing that I can always say about a book written by Marianne Williamson is there are going to be nuggets in each page of the book. So it is not like you're coming away with one concept. You literally are walking away with nugget after nugget after nugget, and this book is no different.
2: Oh, so well, thank you so much. What an honor to hear you say that. Thank you. Absolutely.
1: In this time, especially when there is so much change, and we are on such an eve of this this moment, and there are so many people that are struggling in work or with their finances or in fear for one reason of another about so much that is taking place, you speak very much that there is enough, that there is more than enough, that we have access to anything through all the miracles that are really available to us, but perhaps we are not opening to. Talk a little bit about how that belief in our scarcity and and the fear of never having enough is such a false belief and is blocking the miracles that are real
2: well we are heir to the laws that rule the world we identify with so if we identify ourselves as simply mortal beings who live within this mortal plane um, a plane that is ruled by laws of scarcity and struggle and fear then that will be our experience but enlightenment is a shift in self-perception when we shift from identifying ourselves only with our material being and instead identify with our spiritual self, then we place ourselves in a different context where we are not under uh, at the effect only of the laws of time and space as we define them, but where we stand in dominion, where we stand in a realm where we are under no laws but God's. And the laws of God are laws of infinity, where through the auspices of loving thought, which is our alignment with the divine, miracles occur naturally. And that creates a, both a self-organizing and a self-creating universe. Self-organizing universe, the same way that an embryo becomes a baby and a bud becomes a flower and a uh, an acorn becomes a uh, an oak tree. That same divine architecture that programs those things to occur also has programmed, in our personal circumstances, everything to lead to the next best thing. But the difference between us and the uh, bud or the acorn is that we can say no. So with every loving thought, we say yes. We attract the miracle of the divine unfoldment. We attract the law of divine compensation, and we activate it with every loveless thought or fear-based thought, we deactivate the law. We deflect the blessing or the miracle. And once we know that love does what I just said, once we realize that this is a law, that there are objective uh, discernible laws of consciousness, just as there are objective discernible laws of the external world, like the law of gravity, I know that if I drop a book from my hand I know that it will fall on the floor it's not that I have faith in the law of gravity I simply understand the law of gravity I know that it exists and so it is with spiritual law that you simply come to understand and to realize and to simply know and then to stand on that lo- knowing if my heart is open if I'm thinking with love not only about what I'm here for the purpose of my work why I'm in any relationship and encounter To whatever extent my mind is that open to love, to that extent I am allowing in the imprint of that divine architecture by which I will thrive. But in any moment, you know, how many of us, and you don't even think you're doing it, but when was the last time you asked yourself, do I send love to my employees? Do I send love to my colleagues? Do I send love to my employer? Do I dedicate my work to love? Who have I not forgiven? Where am I withholding my excellence or my love? And you start to look at that, and you realize, i got a lot of closed doors in my mind. And behind every closed door is the possibility of a miracle I'm not receiving. And that's that's how we're
1: deflecting. So when we are either Mm -hmm. too attached to the way we want something to look, or we have held on to, let's say, uh, unforgiveness or anger, or uh, how something is appearing in our lives and wanting to change it, that is the deflection of Mm -hmm. the law of divine compensation.
2: Anytime we are outside the space of "I am only here to give and receive love," that's all that it's about for me, is to give, is to stand in a space where I see myself as a vessel of love. I am asking that divine love flow through me. I want to stand in this moment in complete excellence, give everything I can with character, integrity, knowing that only what I am not giving can be lacking in any situation. Now that's very different from the perspective uh, that dominates this world. That means you don't seek to get so much as you seek to give. You're not thinking about what might come from a situation so much as you are standing in the situation as it is in this moment. You're not attached to the past because you know that the universe is an infinite opportunity machine. Whatever happened in the past, in the present, it is an ever-renewable force of new opportunity. It takes, you know, the word discipline comes from the same word disciple. And I think that that's what all of us on the spiritual path are seeking to do is to discipline our minds so that we do not fall as instinctively and chronically into patterns of fear and scarcity that uh, would keep our lives limited and bound and unhappy.
1: You know, I, I believe so much in synchronicity and how everything really lines up according to the way spirit wants it to be. And and, and we had a little bit of confusion uh, with the schedule uh, I think you had down one date and another date, and it, and it ended up being that this had to be the date that the show was going to appear. And I think it's so amazing that it is on this date, because what you've just said really is that philosophy that people are saying that beyond twelve twenty one twelve 12 and 2013 beyond, that is the mentality and the consciousness that has to be held and this is the ideal book to really get people thinking in that way thinking in that that abundant infinite way that we must hold in our consciousness to really create this for a lot of people though Having that faith is a really difficult thing, and you write in the book that faith is not just a theological principle, it's actually a mental and emotional muscle. So how do we build that faith in the process of holding something that we're not quite sure is going to appear?
2: Well, you know, in a way, there's not so much a faithless person as there is the fact that we tend to have more faith in the realm of the disaster than we have faith in the realm of the divine solution. Mm. And at the deepest level, it's not so much that having faith in the realm of the divine is difficult, as it is that it is so different. You know, when you do yoga and you put yourself in right, right position... And it's not so much that it's hard, it's just that it's different. And ultimately, you, you literally remake your body. Well, the same is true with mind. It begins by stretching a little here, realigning yourself there. Not so much that any particular move is hard, as that it is different. And we're seeking to rebuild our emotional and psychological, our attitudinal muscles. Just as with physical exercise or yoga, we uh, rebuild our physical muscles. And it, you know, little things are easy enough, hard things are harder, but that's why we have a spiritual practice. You know, if you just wait till something terrible happens in your life and, and grab for what you think is like the silver bullet of spiritual principle, then yes, it's hard. But for those of us who know that it's a daily practice, that you start with the little things. Okay, that person was just rude to me, but I have a choice. I can either focus on what they said and did, focus on what I perceive to be their mistake, get all reactive around it, and continue on the wheel of suffering. That is a choice. But there's another choice I can make. I can know that beyond the realm of the physical senses, beyond what they said, what they did, the look on their face, is the truth of who they are. I can remember that in this moment, they were hurt. In that moment, they could not figure out a way to express their love and get their needs met. I can remember that I do that sometimes too. And so instead of condemning them and blaming them, I can choose in this moment to bless them and to focus on their innocence rather than their guilt. And I know that it is not only freeing to them that I do that, but to the extent to which I choose to do that for them, I will experience that release within myself. Now, the thing is, if I will do that in like a relationship or a situation where it's not really all that hard, and I build my muscles whereby I counter the gravity of lower thought forms, then when the tough things come along, like bankruptcy, foreclosure, lost my job, there's a recession going on, I will have a much easier time practicing the conviction that it takes to say, I know this is happening in the mortal world. But because it does not reflect divine love, it is a temporary phenomenon. And I stand on that. And I know that behind this is another possibility. And I stand on that. And because I know that, and I stand in conviction, and I know that there is a temporary, there is a temporary detour from divine perfection. And this is, this is symbolized in the Christian religion by three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection, in Judaism by the 40 years that the Jews wandered in the desert before they entered the the promised land, then you stand in a very different attitudinal position during that time. Your personal energy is different. You're more positive. You're more attractive. You're not lost in ain't it awful. This is so terrible. I'll never get a job. Even if they're hiring people, they're not hiring people my age. You know, uh, this is a recession. This is they, they. There aren't any jobs out there. That does not attract people who would be seeing you as a new partner or someone to hire. And so you stand in a different place. And because you stand internally, just like you stand in yoga, you you develop your physical muscles. We develop our our attitudinal muscles. Then we're completely different people. Our energy, who we this ha- infuses our behavior. Who we are, how we act, the energy that we carry in every encounter, in every situation, in every relationship. And this invokes the breakthrough. This invokes the miracle. This invokes the correction. It invokes the compensation. And that's the way the universe works through us if we allow it to.
1: Faith isn't blind, it's visionary. Having faith in a positive outcome doesn't mean you're denying a problem or ignoring obstacles. It simply means you're affirming a solution. This is from the book, The Law of Divine Compensation on Work, Money, and Miracles, Marianne Williamson's latest book. You can find out more about the book and many of the events that are going to be taking place at Marianne.com. That's Marianne.com. And I'd like to mention that every Monday in Los Angeles at 7.30 at the Saban Theater, she has a Course in Miracles uh, workshop class that she does there. And it will begin live streaming as of January 2013. We'll be right back with Marianne Williamson. <music>
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com
3: In these changing times, the journey toward global consciousness has never been more important. Guy TV is the first online video library dedicated to support your journey toward global and personal discovery. Our viewers enjoy unlimited access to our vast selection of inspiring interviews, engaging films, and award-winning wellness videos. And we invite you to try it for free. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to start your free trial. The journey starts now. That's G-A-I-A-M-T-V dot
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change.
1: Welcome back. Before we get back to the show, I'd like you to invite the newly launched website. You can go to 1111mag.com or simran singcom and register for free 1111 Magazine subscription. This magazine is created to support humanity and its growth in tapping into subjects and really going deep into some of the amazing teachers and books and lessons that are out there that can support you in your very next best step. So definitely go to 1111mag.com or simran singcom and go ahead and register for your free subscription. Nothing about your material circumstances has the power to stop the engine of cosmic intention that you be blessed and you are blessed eternally, which means moment after moment after moment. In any instant, regardless of what has happened in the past, the universe has rearranged and is continuing to rearrange infinite possibilities for you to prosper. If you cannot see this now, if despair and anxiety hang like a veil before your eyes, preventing you from mustering any faith in God at all, then in this moment, lean on Marianne Williamson because two minds joined together, regardless of their position in time or space, can remove whatever chains would bind or deliver you to that sweet, sweet realm where things come full circle. This is from the book The Law of Divine Compensation by Marianne Williamson, which was just recently released. She is an internationally acclaimed spiritual author and lecturer and has written many books that have hit the New York Times bestseller list, including A Return to Love, A Woman's Worth, A Course in Weight Loss and the Gift of Change. This is definitely a book that you want to have and constantly reflect back on because this is really helping you to shift the mind, to shift the consciousness, and to really bring into yourself not just the possibility of miracles, but how to truly activate miracles within your own experience that are your natural divine right. Welcome back, Marianne. We talked about some things that deflect that law of divine compensation from taking place in our lives. And some of that, I think, you have written, has come from a negative sense of self, some of it comes from guilt, uh, some of it comes from judgment. Talk a little bit about how these things truly affect and create a barrier between us and what we truly deserve as spiritual beings.
2: Well, you know, Buckminster Fuller was once asked how he defined a genius, and he said someone who had the right mother. And by that, I've always assumed he meant a mother who told them how fabulous they were. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get childhood messages and some people were told you're no good you're dumb and you'll never amount to anything and we internalize these voices. We internalize the voice of you're wonderful and we also internalize the voice that you're no good. So obviously that's one uh, factor involved in uh, the self-esteem. Another one has to do with the judgments we have of people who are successful. You know sometimes we give a very ambivalent message to the universe because some people have this idea from childhood, from uh, some sort of pseudo-religious uh, doctrine, that somehow money is impure, money is unholy, uh, is unholy. And anybody who has money is just a gr- greedy son of a bitch who couldn't possibly have made it in a righteous or ethical way, but rather anytime they made money, they were really ripping off other people. So if you have that view of of wealth and of wealthy people, if you have that kind of judgment then any time money starts coming your way, you will subconsciously sabotage it. That's another kind of way that we keep money at bay. We deflect it when we judge it in someone else or that we think something bad will happen to us rather than recognizing that any material uh, good, abundance, or substance that we have is just another way that we can apply holy purpose and holy intention and holy... Um, uh action uh in order to make the world a better place so the any thought of unforgiveness towards ourselves any kind of unforgiveness towards someone else any judgment or blame and also any time we are failing to proactively dedicate ourselves you know we have this myth of neutrality well i'm not seeking to just spread love in the world with my work but i'm certainly not trying to hurt anybody well, there's no such thing as a neutral thought. So if we are not proactively seeking to fill whatever our realm is with light, then darkness will set in. And if we wake in the morning and say, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say into home? That that is our prayer. That we're not you know, just telling the universe what we want, but asking the universe how we might be of service to it knowing that the form of our work is not even what's important. Some are lawyers, some are doctors, some are artists, some are musicians, some are teachers. We all have different form of work, but the ultimate work is the work that we are called by God to do, the work that we are called by spirit to do, the work we are called by love to do. And that's just to be the people that we're capable of being, to extend love in whatever way we can, and to work at that, at the self-actualization that we are able to embody and demonstrate, and the ways that our work might uplift and help uplift the planet. Once
1: well, as I in conversation, conversation, it's, it's very pardon? clear that we can determine a lot of that just by listening to our own self-speak, by, by hearing the words that we say, because it will illustrate that neutrality, or it will illustrate that judgment or that guilt, so that we can recognize it, but we don't necessarily take the time, number one, to listen to ourselves, nor to be totally, completely, radically honest with ourselves.
2: Absolutely. What you're saying is exactly the case, and that goes back to the issue. It's not really difficult. It's just different. We don't live in a society that uh, that honors uh, the time for personal reflection, contemplation. Some of us see it within a spiritual context, prayer, meditation. Other people see it in a secular context. A lot of times it's called mindfulness. It doesn't matter what we call it, but what you just pointed to is the essence of it, the quieting of the mind. Otherwise, we are just at the effect of the assault of modernity, the chaos, the craziness, the shallow thinking. And that shallow thinking is usually reactive, it's usually impulsive, and it leads us away from our good. But when we really see, particularly in the morning, I think, most spiritual traditions really emphasize the morning, and we recognize how important it is to center ourselves on what is true and what is eternal before we saunter out into the day, then we are about the great work. We are about a a level of being and consciousness that is so much bigger than all this ultimately narrow-minded, ultimately meaningless um, activity of the world. We're standing on much deeper ground. It's a much more abundant place, and the physical universe will take care of things for us when we allow ourselves to stand on that ground.
1: And you speak about atonement and that that is the mental process where we really do correct those perceptions and it acts like a spiritual reset button. So by behaving in that way, by really being in that way, we bring about that humility that we need so that we can step from a new place and act from a new place and then attract as
2: well. Well, atonement is so important because, you know, most of us, uh, I know I have and most everyone I know, has had our financial ups and downs. And with anything in life, whether it's about work and money or anything else, it's so important to take a fearless look at how we did. And often, yes, we were unfairly treated. You know, yes, we were unfairly fired. Yes, we were unfairly manipulated, whatever. But if we look deeply, usually we can see how we, on some level, conspired with the forces that were damaging towards us. And when we do that, when we go back to the moment and say, I can see where I did this wrong. For instance, I had a literary agent who stole all of the royalties from my first three books. Well, I mean, I can certainly easily find people to join with me in the perception of myself as a victim. But that's not as rewarding or as helpful to me as was the moment when I asked myself, what kind of woman hasn't read her own royalty statements for eight years? When I took responsibility for the irresponsibility on my part, that left me so open to mistreatment. Mm -hmm. And then the atonement is you go back to that moment and you say, I recognize that place where I've been irresponsible. I recognize the consequence of my irresponsibility. I atone, in this case, to myself, to my child, who then, you know, is not as served, and I am willing to be made different in that place, and I am learning to grow into someone who is responsible. And then, as you said, you know, it's a cosmic reset button. Every life will then unfold according to a a different trajectory because I have chosen to no longer be unconscious in that area. Because that's what all negativity is, it comes from unconsciousness, comes from blindness, we shut our eyes. And atonement is where we say, oops, I get it, my eyes were closed, and I'm willing for them now to be open.
1: Well, and I think in that point, you know, you, you describe a situation where a person would feel a lot of anger. And I think also in the book you illustrate that it's okay to feel the anger because we are supposed to feel our feelings and become self-aware, but that we need to know the difference between processing and spewing. And we also need to know when to let it go.
2: That's such an important issue because anger definitely deflects uh, the miracle. It definitely deactivates the law of divine compensation. You know, sometimes people say, you deserve, I deserve to feel my feelings. Well, of course you deserve it. You deserve to feel anything you want to feel. But a conscious, truly sober uh, person, you know, emotionally sober, realizes, as you just said, there's a difference between processing and spewing. And if you don't know the point uh, at which the processing needs to stop, your best friends do. It's an amazing thing, you know. If you just look at this in common sense terms, We don't mind being around friends who have been through something terrible and need to process it. That's human. We want to be there for our friends when they're processing an unfortunate, painful event, and we want people to be around us when we need to go through that process. But then there comes a time, and everybody can feel it intuitionally. Everybody can feel it in their gut because it's not fun to be around a person who really does need to let it go now. And sometimes our best friends will say to us, I've been listening to this for a long time. I acknowledge your pain. I'm with you. But you know what? You're going to need to step into the solution now. And I think that's a very important issue for the spiritual you know, seeker, that we don't want to not allow ourselves our emotions, but we also want to realize that seasons do change, and at a certain point you stop verbalizing your pain and you act on faith. And, you know, there's a saying in the old Jewish wisdom, during the darkest night, act as if the morning has already come. There's power in that. Mm. There's power in that. The Law of Divine Compensation by Marianne
1: Williamson deals not only with how we attract miracles, but also how we deflect them. Judgment is one of the biggest barriers to our own miraculous breakthroughs. If we judge someone else for having wealth, then we'll subconsciously sabotage our own. If we have the idea that somehow it's more pure to be poor then that's probably what we'll manifest. This, again, is The Law of Divine Compensation on Work, Money, and Miracles by Marianne Williamson, who's also the author of A Return to Love, A Woman's Worth, Illuminata, The gift of change and a course in weight loss. You can find out more about her at Marianne.com. You can also connect to her blog. And in January there will be a new live streaming of her Monday night events where she goes into the course in miracles. So definitely connect with Marianne at Marianne.com. We'll be right back to discuss a little bit more about the law of divine compensation with Marianne Williamson.
0: This is the 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network.
3: Every life on Earth has the capability of knowing the world in a much more powerful way than what we've settled for. And Guy M.T.V. is there to support your journey in knowledge, awareness, and awakening. Our vision is to raise global consciousness by bringing viewers original interviews, inspiring films, and engaging series on today's most sought-after topics. We invite you to try Guy TV free for 10 days. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to claim your free trial. You won't look at your life and your world the same way again.
0: Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111 magcom Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: My guest tonight is Marianne Williamson, and we're talking about the Law of Divine Compensation, which is her latest book, and there could not be a more appropriate time than the one we're in right now, where it is a time to truly shift where you are in your own consciousness, to truly unite all thoughts that are split, and also allow that to move out into the world in terms of service. To the ego mind, surrender means giving up. To the spiritual mind, surrender means giving in and receiving. Once we're there, inside the holy place, where all is inner riches, the outer gold of worldly prosperity appears in a miraculous way. It comes inviting us to use our wealth responsibly and to share it generously as the universe so shared it with us. This is from the Law of Divine Compensation, and there's a beautiful prayer right here I'd like to read for you before we get back to Mary Ann. So if you'd please take a breath. Sit back and relax and close your eyes and take this in. Dear God, I surrender to you who I am, what I have, and what I do. May my life and talents be used in whatever way serves you best. I surrender to you my failures and any pain still in my heart. I surrender to you my successes and the hopes that they contain. May the light of your love shine deep within my heart and extend through me to bless the world. Amen. Thank you for that, Marianne. There are some beautiful prayers throughout this book.
2: Oh, Many of which
1: deal you. with service and deal with work and deal with abundance. And I love that point that you made about the ego mind and our thoughts of surrender often do make us think that we are waving a white flag and we're giving up and we're at a loss. But the spiritual mind really does mean it is giving in and receiving.
2: Well, the interesting thing is what we call letting go, giving up, surrender. What it means is that we give up our attachment to the identification with our mortal circumstance. The identification with our mortal circumstance, the very idea of identifying with our mortal circumstance, means we're identifying with just a fraction, a belief, a kind of mortal hallucination of who we truly are. So when we give that up and we fall into what feels to the ego mind like emptiness... We actually fall into the divine fullness, the nothingness out of which comes all things perfect, the nothingness out of which comes cell division and the processes by which the body works and the processes by which the planets revolve around the sun. So when we let go of ego control, what we're really doing is we are, we stop interrupting The otherwise natural pattern, which the ego would say, "There's nothing there. It's chaos. If you let go, all hell will break loose." Really, it's the opposite. (laughs) Really, it's the opposite. I love the way we're making a space for something to birth. Yeah, absolutely. We are. We are. You know that we are dying to the ego perspective, so that love can restore order. That's not when order stops. That's when order is introduced into the system. And you write in the book quite a bit,
1: too, about the attachment and detachment and that when we are attached to something, for example, wanting a job to be a certain way, that attachment is actually or could actually be blocking the miracle for that uh, success or that money that would show up in actually a different way from actually appearing because we're so focused in that one direction
2: that we are attached to. Exactly. And the money itself that we think of as coming from that job, The money might not be coming from that job you might do something that doesn't even make you money but for all you know you know the universe has a thousand eyes so if we are putting ourselves in service to the universe sometimes in a situation where getting money is absolutely appropriate sometimes in situations where just being of service is more appropriate the universe is always watching and some of the things that we do for no money at all ultimately end up making us tremendous amount of money, and sometimes the things we do for money end up making us short-term cash, but absolutely do not build the larger career.
1: One of my favorite paragraphs in the book is that energy can create wealth, but wealth of itself cannot create energy. No amount of money, technology, or strategy can equal the value of passionate people brainstorming for new possibilities. And it goes on, and and I'll let you expand on that, but that's so where we are now in history, so where... The crumbling systems that are around us need us to be is to understand that we have to have that passion and we have to allow the energy of our own spirituality and focus and clarity to birth what we need to know as abundance and wealth and prosperity in this, in this world.
2: Right. We think we're depressed because the economy is depressed. But at the deeper level, the economy is depressed because we're depressed. We're not giving our gifts in excitement. We don't have that excitement that we that we had as children where you wake up in the morning and you want to do things and go places and it's all quite exciting. That's the space we should all be living in, where every morning we're waking up thinking, what marvelous thing might I create today? That's not the kind of energy that is at the center of the way we organize our civilization. And because it's not, people are not creating. People are not um building the systems, the businesses, the projects that would create a more vital uh, circulation of money and every other kind of material goods. So this idea of a lack of motivation and a lack of, of inspiration is at the center, not just of our spiritual lives, but even of our economic lives.
1: Most definitely, and, and for many of us, with whatever it is that we're doing, uh, it is about changing the perspective of what we're doing, and you write that it is changing the view of your work to a view of it as a calling.
2: Absolutely. what What is the calling? Right, the difference between a job and a calling. You know, a job is something you can get and it's something that you can lose. And it's also often thought of as something outside yourself. I have to go find a job. A calling is something different. A calling is that which you were born with. And it's the calling in all of our hearts. We all have the same calling. And that is to be the instruments, the channels for the extension of all that is good and true and beautiful. And when you know that that calling is yours, that even if you've lost your job, you still have your calling, that you are employed, as it were, by a divine source, and you'll never be fired. You can't be fired. Even if you're walking around with no job, any person that you encounter, any situation you enter, you're there to do your job, i.e. the larger job, the larger work. When you know that, you are not battered by the shifting sands of human circumstance in the same way. You know, the problem is not just that you lose a job or you lose money. The, the, the problem is where we emotionally go because of those things. And when we meet the diminished or negative circumstance with diminished uh, thinking, if if our condition of limitation is met with limited thinking then we really go into an emotional tailspin but if we meet limited circumstances with unlimited thought and we stand on the ground that there is always a possibility of a miracle that there is no order of, of, of difficulty in miracles that we are open to another way then, you know, even on a very crass material level, you know, some Fortune 500 companies have been uh, begun during recessions. So there is no mortal circumstance that can limit um, our capacities as human beings when we remember that as human beings we are so much more than our mortal circumstances. And is that what you term as the balancing
1: of the spiritual scales, that when we have, let's say, that limited circumstance but we bring in
2: the thought of the infinite possibility yes because that's the miracle worker's power you know i love the stories in the uh, fairy tales and the fairy godmother with cinderella the fairy godmother represents the holy spirit the aspect of spirit whatever we want to call it and she has a, a magic wand and that wand means focused thought and her wand is light, and light means understanding. So the fairy godmother in us, the aspect of consciousness, which exercises a focused thought of higher higher understanding. Now one of the things that I, I love about the fairy tale, and you really see this in, uh, uh, very clearly in Cinderella, when the fairy godmother came to Cinderella, and Cinderella needed a ball gown, and she needed a coach, and she needed coachmen. But notice that the fairy godmother did not call a uh, delivery service and ask to, them to bring a dress. She did not call out for a limo. She did not call out for coachman. Rather, she put her magic wand, she focused her thought of light and understanding, right, mm-hmm. at Cinderella's rags, and they transformed into a ball gown. She pointed her focused thought at the pumpkin, and it transformed formed into a coach. Mm -hmm. So it's always about dwelling in our circumstances as they are, asking, where am I not being the light in the circumstances as they now exist? In my circumstances as they are now, is there something I'm not giving? Am I not being my best? Am I I not giving my fullest? Am Am I actualizing the fullness of my best self in this circumstance as it exists now? And when and to the extent to which we do that, That circumstance transforms. Most of us live in, oh, I wish I had a different job, a different place to live, different circumstances. But our circumstances only change when we are willing to accept them and live in them from a higher place within ourselves.
1: How powerful is that? Once you have reclaimed your inner prosperity, the universe will begin to process of reclaiming it externally. You are internally programmed to rise to your highest creative possibility. And according to Marianne Williamson, there are four rules for miraculous work creation. Be positive, send love, have fun, kick ass. Amen. (laughs) We'll be right back with Marianne Williamson. The book is The Law of Divine Compensation on Work, Money, and Miracles. And you can find out more about Marianne at Marianne.com. Definitely look into watching the live streaming of her Monday night events on the Course in Miracles. Again, find out more about that at Marianne.com. We'll be right back.
0: The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com.
3: 1111mag.com. In these changing times, the journey toward global consciousness has never been more important. TV is the first online video library dedicated to support your journey toward global and personal discovery. Our viewers enjoy unlimited access to our vast selection of inspiring interviews, engaging films, and award-winning wellness videos. And we invite you to try it for free. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to start your free trial. The journey starts now. That's G-A-I-A-M-T-V.com. Invite meaning and inspiration
0: to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. One of the most positive transitions
1: you can make is viewing your work as a job to viewing it as a calling. A calling is an organic field of energy that emerges from the deepest aspects of who you are. It is the fulfillment of what God has created you to be. Approaching your work as a job versus approaching it as a calling makes all the difference in whether or not you dwell in the miraculous universe. This is from The Law of Divine Compensation, the latest book by Marianne Williamson, and I urge you to get this to help you shift your consciousness around money, around work, and around miracles so that you can support yourself in truly creating an experience that is your divine right. Marianne, you have in the book about having confidence in God, and, and that brings about a person who is confident in the world and someone who is a follower of of God comes across more as a leader in the world. Talk about the difference between those two and which approach we really are to, to be here as, especially now.
2: Well, you know, it's counterintuitive. But the way to have power in this world and effectiveness in this world is to know that you are not of this world. And the second thing that you said was actually, it's from the Tao Te Ching, where in the Tao Te Ching it says those who see themselves as followers of a distant star, followers of the Tao, then manifest to other people and are perceived by other people as leaders. You think of yourself as a follower of the distant star on the horizon. You look to other people like you're a leader, and you are more effective and powerful in the world when you know that you're not of it. You know, sometimes people just have that thing. It's just this charisma. It's like, where did they get that? And you realize that that little something extra, that edge that some people have, that charisma, it, it, it isn't from a resume. It isn't uh, just from childhood programming or anything of the mortal world. It has to do with some people having stood within a place and found that place within themselves where a light that is not from this world is shining through them. That's the real meaning of the word charisma. It began as a spiritual term. And, of course, all little children have it because Mm -hmm. it's not unique to some people and not to others. It's just that in most children it becomes dimmed. And we can reclaim it, you know, regardless of what kind of limited thinking we might have inherited from our parents. The point of spiritual practice is that we become reparented by a divine father, mother, God. Um, old programming, we can be reprogrammed. That's what a spiritual journey is. May, may my mind be reprogrammed so that all these instinctive mental patterns of smallness, limitation, I can't have it, I won't get it, there's not enough, if another person has it, I don't, I'm a failure, I'm no good, I'm too old. Those thoughts are deadly. They, they are what bind us much more than mortal circumstances because mortal circumstances are malleable they can change but if we don't change our Thought-forms then our circumstances will remain similarly static so The the path that we take from from identifying with a world where I am this world I am of this world where we are then at the effect of this world to no, I'm about a bigger game here. I have a body But my body is a suit of clothes and on the level of my spirit. I'm one with everyone I'm programmed as there are they to collaborate with me, just like cells in the body. You know, a cell that separates itself out is a malignant cell, forgets that it is programmed to be part of the whole and to collaborate with other cells. We want to be the cell that remembers why we're here. We're here to collaborate with other cells, to work synergetically with other cells, i.e. other people, to support the healthy functioning of the whole. And that's what makes us healthy. And that's what makes us abundant, and that's what makes our lives thrive. And we were all taught false programming. We were all taught false programming on some level by parents who sometimes were very well-intentioned. We've all been taught false programming by the world, and all of us receive false programming from the world when we allow ourselves to simply be at the effect of the thinking of the world. But for those of us, and you've been talking, Simran, about you know this new era, the idea that one age is ending and another is beginning, That's because a new worldview is being dumped into the dustbin of history where it belongs. And we are opening up to the realization that everything is relationship. The universe is not some mechanistic machine with pieces that have no real relationship to each other and that are not bound or affected by consciousness. That's over. Even in the real realms of science, it's over. The world is a big thought. It's a big relationship. And the glue that holds it all together and it makes everything thrive is love And, you know, it's an amazing moment because we can choose that. And none of us get it right all the time. I mean, I get, I guess, Enlightened Masters do, obviously, but I'm not one. You know, it's interesting. I always say my life works pretty well when I practice what I preach. But (laughs) even when I talk about these things, you know, we talk about these things to each other from a place of, well, yesterday I did that one pretty well, but in that situation I could have been better. And that's all that life is. In every situation that comes up, it's like, okay, you've been here before. Last time when you were good, be great this time. Last time when you were weak, be strong this time. Make another choice. And I think that's what's happening on the planet. We're all being invited by, by the future to step it up, to rise to the occasion, to collaborate more magnificently, to show up more fully, to be the people that we're capable of being. And I think that that's what this profound moment in history is saying that if we continue being who we were, we will continue getting what we're getting. And if we choose again, then something miraculous is blossoming, being born, transforming ourselves, transforming everything. And I mean, really, what's not to say Hallelujah about when you look at it that way?
1: Marianne, I always love the prayers that you give, and I can't think of a a better way to end the show and to begin what we are beginning to embark on for the world and within each one of us, because that's truly where the change is going to begin from, than having you say a prayer. So if you would do us the honor, I would love to hear one of your prayers for the earth as we move forward.
2: First, I just want to say thank you for having me on your program, and I really acknowledge the really good work that you do, and I know that you're serving a lot of people, and I'm 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 grateful and honored that you'd allow me to be part of your conversation today. Mm, thank you. Dear God, as we stand on the brink of history, we let go all aspects of our own selves that are limited and narrow, harsh, unforgiving, controlling, and fearful. We hand to you our defects and our weaknesses and our neurotic patterns. And we are willing to change. And we open our hearts and minds. May your spirit pour forth upon us and make us new. We place in your hands all the suffering of the world. And we ask to be conduits of the love that heals all things. Make us better that we ourselves might be transformers of the world in which we live. Make us the people that you would have us be, that we might do as you would have us do, that through us a new world might be born, where love has replaced fear, where peace has replaced violence, where laughter has replaced tears, where beneficence has replaced suffering, where light has replaced dark. Fill every cell and aspect of our being with the light, with the love, with the compassion, with the forgiveness that casts out all disease and dysfunction. And we rejoice and give thanks in advance, for truly we know this shall be, and may it be through us. And so it is. Thank you, God. And so it is.
1: Amen. Thank you so much for such a beautiful prayer. My guest today has been the amazing, wonderful Marianne Williamson, and the book is The Law of Divine Compensation on Work, Money, and Miracles. I urge you to share this archive when it goes up with as many people as you know, especially tomorrow, and to allow yourself to hear again the entire audio as well as the prayer and then get your book so that you can really embed these beautiful thoughts into your own consciousness. Again, that is The Law of Divine Compensation by Marianne Williamson. And thank you, Marianne, so much for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It is always an honor and a pleasure.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Next week, my guest is Gabrielle Bernstein, and we'll be talking about her new book. So I look forward to having you. Until that time, I wish you wonderful holidays and Merry Christmas, a fabulous birthing of 122112, and all of the goodness and the divinity and the divine blessings that you deserve because they are your divine right. We are each extremely special, and we are each part of that specialness that is the divine. So allow yourself to embrace that, and in doing so, help others to understand that they can embrace that as well, and let us be one. Until next time, I'm Simran Singh. Be well.
0: Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.